Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in to episode 262 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations that's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members of the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health in a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio and under bets for four four oh eight four oh seven are are being cashed. There there was a lot of teasing in the comment section about when exactly we'd be getting started. Uh, a lot of uh, not a chance. It starts anytime before four ten over under set at four oh eight. Chase Peterson said, "I have a narrow under." Um, all under uh, under bets will be cashed. Sean Smith, thank you for joining the show once again in your car. Yeah, it's. Uh... Why, why mess with it, right? Like we, we did an entire month of uh, me and my car, but no, that's the that's kind of the schedule that we've been on. You decide to take a vacation thinking that Kentucky basketball would have its roster finalized and ready to go by the time you went on vacation. And honestly, Jack, you they decided to drop the most news possible of the offseason right as you schedule your vacation. So perfect time. I, well, I, I was going off of your assumption that the roster would be finalized mid-May. <laughs> 
So when I booked this thing back two months ago, I was like, you know what? It's probably a safe bet for me personally to assume that four or five weeks before these games are played in Toronto uh, and well after the withdrawal deadline on uh, May 31st, that we would have a full roster. But unfortunately, that's not how things played out. And we had probably the busiest week of all time. And uh, there's uh, somebody said, I believe it was Connor Riggs said something about, um, you know, Jack was probably checking Twitter slash K as our message board while he was on vacation. His wife was probably telling him to stop. Yeah, I was basically uh, refreshing on the phone with somebody, texting somebody. But I mean, I was like baking in the sun the entire week. But it was like the most refreshing non-work week of all time, if that makes sense. But go figure. I, I tried my best. I thought it would be a, a very convenient time to schedule a vacation months ago. But it is what it is, Sean. And, and today's my one day off from basketball. So I was actually in, in Bell County today. And then you text be like, well, I'm back. Anybody want a podcast? <laughs> so I was like, all right, we'll make it work. I don't have my microphone. I don't have my setup, but we'll, uh, the show must go on. Yeah, it is what it is. We uh, have some news, but not as much, I think, as we hoped. I, I think when I left last Wednesday, made the drive to, to the beach, I was like, you know, there's going to be three commitments slash returns for Kentucky, and I'm not going to be here for any of it. Two, I guess, our credit, only one big piece of like actual news came out where uh, Kentucky did add Hillcrest Prep standout Jordan Burks um, to the 2023-2024 roster. Uh, he led OTE in scoring this past season, 27 points per game. Uh, Three-star kid originally an Ole Miss signee, um, backed out, available early June. Um, he gets on campus, things go absolutely swimmingly, and he announces his commitment very shortly after. Uh, and that's the only big piece of news item that we had in terms of positive news for uh, in addition for Kentucky. Let's talk about that first. What do you think of Kentucky adding Jordan Burks? I actually think it's a really good sneaky pickup, especially this late, and, and given what the holes Kentucky's had on its roster and, and needing bodies. I actually think that it's a, a guy coming in, Jack, that probably of, of all the, the pieces that could be added and, and not counting Antonio Reeves into that, I think has the best chance of getting on the court as a freshman at Kentucky next season, given his frame and the role that he could play and maybe spell Justin Edwards for an opportunity there with, with his size and his frame. Like he's just different than the other guys Kentucky has as perimeter players and as some wings and, and things there. So I, I think that he has an opportunity and, and able to score the basketball the way that he did at OT and stuff. If, if that kind of translates and, and travels to Kentucky, then I, I could see him having a role immediately as a freshman and, and, and things. And uh, I think it's a really good pickup. I, as soon as it started becoming a possibility and then you, we thought that it was going to happen on a certain day and then we get delayed another five or six days and then, announcement comes official and he's already on campus and things. Uh, it's a guy that's there and he's getting acclimated to Kentucky, getting used to his teammates and getting started with those workouts. And, and I think that you'll see a, a lot of him in Toronto here in a few weeks. So just because we're as transparent as possible on this show and not trying to be sunshine pumper and just make everything positive news, I will say when his name first came up in associate in association with Kentucky, um, I heard some really negative yeah. stuff when it first came out, uh, character concerns saying there's a reason that it's J June 4th or whatever the visit was scheduled. 
uh, to Kentucky and he's still available and he's the leading scorer of, of OTE and he's still available. Why do you think that is? Why do you think he's only a three star? Like, uh, you know, almost those, if it sounds too good to be true, there's a reason for it type of quotes that was coming my way. And, and you know, I wasn't searching for, Hey, wh what's the deal with Jordan? You know, it was pe people reaching out to me going bad idea. Please don't do this, Cal. You, you are making a mistake talking to people close to Jordan, talking to people at OTE. I've done a lot of due diligence on, on Jordan to figure out just, okay, is this stuff justified? Is there a reason these character concerns have come out? You know, bad teammate conversations and just rough around the edges, hard to work with, hard to coach, things like that. Um, for a John Calipari coach group that's going to be as young as this one is, is that the type of person you want to add to this locker room right now at this stage? it's understandable why there would, there would be some concerns. I was told that pe people that know him on a day-to-day -day basis know how he know how he operates and uh, th those sorts of things that he means well, that he had a tough upbringing and uh, you know, the exact quote was, you know, he, he, they struggled to put food on the table. So he, you know, kind of had this fight or flight mechanism where that kind of led to some of the rough around the edges, tough to work with type stuff that I think in their opinion and knowing him personally, that that kind of led to some of those standoffishness traits and things like that, that kind of from an outsider's perspective made it look like he was tough to work with. Um, but I, I think it's kind of one of those, you know, when DeMarcus Cousins was recruited to Kentucky and everybody on the outside said, this guy sucks. He's a red flag after red flag. Do not bring him in. But if you talk to anybody at Kentucky that worked with him, like, yeah, he was a little rough around the edges, but he's, you know, kind of a big teddy bear on the inside that he was, he, he, he it was a little blown out of proportion. So yes, there are some character red flags that were brought to my attention that they made it very clear to me that this is not a good move. Uh, I, I feel a lot better about it today than I did when the name first emerged for, for Kentucky, but uh, just something that I wanted to put out there and make it clear that, you know, at this stage, why, why is the leading scorer at Hillcrest uh, still available to, to open June? There, there is a reason for it, but I, I think when push comes to shove, this will end up being a positive uh, addition for the Kentucky Wildcats. Well, it's, it's one of those Jack that I think if it all hits and it all comes together, I think Kentucky could kind of have a diamond in the rough here uh, with given, like I keep talking about his frame and I think that that's why he has such a, a great opportunity to play immediately at Kentucky is, is maybe play some different roles and whether that be score the basketball, kind of another a spark off the bench that can can make shots and can do some things. And uh, with with his frame, like what type of a defender can he be and, and stuff? Does he, is he a guy that thrives in John Calipari's system, a, a longer, lanky guy? Um, what is he listed at? I've, I've seen 6'7", six, seven, six, I've seen 6'9". Six, that's what I was thinking. And see, that's, that's so appealing. And then and I get a lot of people talking about, you know, you and I probably thought, and I think everybody listening to the show thought Kentucky would go transfer portal to fill out its roster. I don't think that any of us ever thought it would be adding to its 2023 recruiting class. And then in, a week or so ago, it became evident that that was the route Kentucky's going to go. And this is piece number one that's being added. If, if you can get guys in your program that you can keep around for more than one year, then I, I like the, what Kentucky's doing to kind of close its roster. But let's also – I mean, look, Kentucky got to a situation where there's not a ton available when it comes to transfers and, you know, missed on a lot of. Whoops. 
sounds like Sean is uh, no longer with us for at least a, a brief second. While Stephen is, is Sean out? Yeah, he's he is. Um, I'll I'll work to get him back as soon as we can. Cool. No 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 problem. So yeah, it, physically. <laughs> it's hard to ask for a better piece at this stage than a guy like Jordan Burks. If you're looking for a high potential, high upside side type guy, uh, if you're swing for the fences, hoping that you could really strike gold on somebody like Sean said, a diamond in the rough type. Uh, it's hard to ask for a guy with the physical, the physical tools and just God given talents that Jordan Burks clearly possesses uh, to add him at this stage is almost like a, okay, and I am just making it very clear. Kentucky has heard the the character concerns. They have heard that noise. Like they, they were aware of that. It wasn't like they were just completely blindsided. Like, oh my God, I can't believe uh, we're taking you know, we're making a mistake on taking this kid. Like they they knew uh, those. They heard those same whispers and and kind of did their own due diligence and and signed off on it and said, okay, we're we're ready to take this on. And I think Cal, it, there's almost this mindset of all right dj wagner has dog in him rob dillingham i will add i have a note on rob dillingham talking to people around ote trying to get a feel you know samto uh jordan burks and you know all of them collectively i, I asked a lot about all three of them since it's clearly an ote to kentucky pipeline um kentucky knew of all of these things and said you know what this is a, a, a something that we want to take a chance on knowing the personalities of each individual guy, you know, Rob, I think some of that stuff was a little blown out of proportion that I actually heard that he is very low maintenance. He's just kind of a super chill guy. And that has kind of rubbed some people the wrong way that if like he doesn't mess with you, he just will kind of make it clear that he doesn't mess with you. And, uh, but it, it, it's not out of being a jerk or being a, a, a bad teammate or whatever. It's just, you know, that's kind of his personality. Steven, I don't know if you want to add any input on this either, but it's almost refreshing to have a team of, of dogs and Steve and Sean's back as well. Did, did you did you overheat? I did. So I you did. said you weren't going to overheat. I know. I found a tree. I'm in the shade. There we I, go. There's nothing, listen, there's nothing better than this show. I mean, come <laughs> on now. Like, uh, it's hilarious. But but what I was saying was there's a clear personality of this team that John Calipari is clearly kind of uh, working with and kind of likes like that. I think the dog was missing on last year's roster and you can't argue that DJ Wagner is not a dog. Jordan Burks has some dog to him. Rob Dillingham has his own dog. You know, he's a little bit more reserved and kind of relaxed and more chill, but he has his own version of dog in him. Justin Edwards has some dog in him. Like, Cal's clearly saying, you know what? I'm going to go for a tough, rugged, like dog-minded team that we haven't seen with this Kentucky roster in recent years. Like he's clearly going for that and saying, you know what? I've done my best when I've had some clashing egos and, and personalities and things like that. I've done my best when it's been youth over experience. You know what? I have all these doubters in the world. I'm going to go all into this. It's going to be to the extreme. We like, this is probably going to be the youngest roster in the history of college basketball, but it's it it's a type of roster that John Calipari has worked extremely well with in the past. So, yeah, the it's interesting the get old the get old stay old 
uh, idea in college basketball is not something that John Calipari is doing right now. It's uh, he's getting even younger than what he has been. And I mean, like I said before, I got cut off. If this is one that it hits and everything comes together, then I really, really like this addition for Kentucky this season. And I think that it has potential to to be a big time addition and a guy that can make an impact. And like you said, when we started the show, we're not trying to just be sunshine pumpers. We're not trying to be over negative about every single thing. I'm, I'm just telling you what I think. And I, I do think that this is a move that I do like, uh, especially at this point in the offseason where Kentucky was with bodies that they need. Uh, he's a guy that can do multiple things on the court and I think can find a find multiple roles depending on what that is. And then he's going to get this experience in Toronto here in a few weeks to, to kind of mesh and, and figure out where he fits alongside these guys on this roster. And to be this young, Jack, we talk about these international trips that Kentucky gets to take. And I know we're going to dive more into that over the next month before that leading up to those dates. But this is absolutely the type of Kentucky basketball team that needs those games. Mm-hmm. All these new faces, a couple of inexperienced pieces coming back that do have experience in your program but didn't play a ton of minutes. This is the perfect roster that, that needs that trip. And Jordan Burks is a guy that will get the opportunity to kind of show BBN what he can do early. Yeah, the, the, this is, again, I don't think it's going to translate to wins in Toronto because it's going to be really, really freaking tough competition. And again, I just want to stress that that it's good that, that that is going to be the best learning experience that you could possibly ask for for a group of potentially eight freshmen coming in, like there are seven freshmen, whatever, whatever on in a being, yes, five plus two, yeah, seven. It, you couldn't ask for a better. I'm still on, I'm still on beach mode. You couldn't ask for a better experience, kind of trial by fire opportunity for young guys. Like, shoot, think of, and we'll, we'll transition into the guys who they could be adding very shortly. Like, think of a guy like Joey Hart, a guy, a three-star kid, shooter from Indiana. Like, you couldn't ask for a, okay, let's see what you got, kid. Like, throw him into the fire and, and see what he can do against real U23 national experience uh, representing the United States in Toronto, the Global Jam. Like, that's going to be a hell of an experience for those guys. Again, will it translate to wins in that environment against grown men, against guys that are really, really, really talented? I think they're going to struggle. Baylor went one and four, a top five preseason team this past season. Last year went one and four at the event. So good teams go in there and lose games. And I don't think this will be the the exception. Uh, But you can't ask for a better trial by fire opportunity for a group that is inevitably going to be this young. Yeah, this this is a great opportunity for this entire roster to kind of – it's not even about navigating roles, honestly. Like, we thought that the Bahamas trip last year would kind of identify roles, and it did not. Like, they were still getting into January trying to figure out who was who and, and what was what and things. But this is more about just getting some of the nerves out and and just getting out there and, and playing together. And, look, when you got all those new faces – fully expect those guys to at times look like they have no idea what they're doing mm-hmm. on the court. And we know that Kentucky's going to have a little bit of their stuff in, but that's, that's different. Like you can have it in, in practices, but it's different than going in and running it in games and, and things that Kentucky does. And then the thing that'll be so inter- interesting about it, we know Kentucky doesn't have a ton of bodies, but like there's some lineup options that Cal has that it's going to be intriguing to kind of follow on this trip of, 
what does he does he play small at times? Does he go big with the two bigs together? Like, I have no idea what Cal is going to do or, or what the staff is is leaning and, and looking at. Not right now. We got to wait and see what the entire roster looks like. But there are some intriguing lineup combinations that you look across this roster and what they have. That there's talent here. There's just not experience. But Cal has said multiple times he'll take talent over experience every single time. Well, guess what? This far into his Kentucky tenure, I don't think he's ever made a louder statement in that being true because he, he just did. It's going to be fascinating. Let, let's dive into the other uh, two freshman potential additions. Uh, let's start with Joey Hart because I do believe that one is imminent, that that could happen within the next day or two. Uh, I do expect him to be a part of Kentucky's 2023-2024 roster. Uh, 6'4", underrated athlete, really skilled, uh, absolute missile of a shooter. I mean, dude can absolutely light it up from three. Kentucky is very likely to add him. What I think there's a lot of focus on the three-star, you know, adding another three-star. Jordan Burke's a three-star. Kentucky adding another three-star three, three star in, in Joey Hart. I think when players look at the, the stars next to the name, I think they'll be a little bit guarded. But if you look at what his role is supposed to be as kind of the uh, you know, spark plug, just go get us a shot in spot situations, at least early, and then have his contributions come later on in his career. Like fans want bodies and want roster fillers. And why are we not filling up 13 scholarships on the roster? Well, this is the exact type of guy that you would be realistically looking for somebody who's going to stick and who can contribute down the road. And even in a, like a, a specialty certain circumstance immediately, if necessary. Yeah. I think fans are worried about it, you know, talking like I've, I've seen a lot of people saying, well, why are we getting so excited over three-star additions? Well, a, a few years ago, I think fans would have been really excited about adding three stars to close out rosters and, and guys that you could see staying long-term. But I think the transfer portal and the fear of roster turnover and every year Kentucky thinks, oh, there's a guy or two that's definitely going to be back and then they're not here. I think that that concerns a lot of people, maybe listening to the show and a lot of people in this fan base and maybe me included, but it seems like that he's a guy that if you're committed to him and he's committed to you, this could work out long-term, not just this year, not next year, but on down the road. And, and like you said, a guy that just doesn't miss as a shooter, we know that those guys have actually struggled to kind of carve out roles at Kentucky. Uh, I mean, CJ Frederick and, and stuff this past season, I know he wasn't 100% at any point during his time at Kentucky and that certainly impacted him. But he's a guy that if you need that role this year, he can go in and make a shot or two for you. But get him in your program, let him play against this talent, let him develop and see what happens. And, and Jack, too, I think another thing, the way that Cal's filling this roster out, and, and maybe this is me giving Cal a little bit of – maybe a little bit of a leash with some of the things that have happened this offseason. I feel like when you have a talented class like he has coming in, it was really difficult to maybe hit the transfer portal for additions because we know – John Calipari is going to play his younger guys. And I think that maybe to some of these transfers and recruits, it maybe wasn't too appealing to come to Kentucky and think, well, what is my role? Am I going to be playing behind five freshmen when I've started for a couple of years somewhere else, or I've been a key contributor, maybe looking to start by going to somebody in the transfer portal. I think that that may be, because look, when you got Justin Edwards, you got DJ Wagner, you got Rob Dillingham, Bradshaw coming in. We know that those are guys that are going to eat up a lot of minutes and a lot of opportunities, and I don't think it's as appealing to transfers to, to come in and look at this. So I think that Cal and Kentucky had to go the high school route, and why not go with pieces 
that can play roles, but also if they stay committed to your program and it works out, it could pay off and Kentucky could end up having a lot of experience pieces a year from now. But that often doesn't play out that way. But let's I'm going to hold off and see if it does before I really come in and give my thoughts on it. We won't know until, what, 12 months from now. And I think a part of it, and it, uh, maybe a, a less significant part of it, but a part nonetheless is I had heard really good things about Reed Shepard uh, and kind of the expectations of w- what he's going to be sooner rather than later at, at Kentucky. And, and I know there was some talk, you know, maybe he's going to play five, 10 minutes early uh, at Kentucky, but really his contributions are going to be later. Uh, I heard, I mean, literally right before the show started, I just got off the phone and somebody was like, Reed is kind of exceeding expectations already. Just, you know, getting shots up, just kind of his uh, mindset, his uh, approach to development and training and what his personal expectations are. Uh, They're really excited about what Reed can be. And I know there was some some talk about uh, in the comment section, on top of everybody complaining about your orange shirt, Sean, you got to get that fixed, even though there's a a reason for it. It's his new – Coaching debut is definitely not Tennessee orange. It's the, the good the good kind of orange, uh, high school orange. But uh, there's somebody that said uh, Reed Shepard being a four-year player, David Cornett hoping Reed will be a four-year guy. I don't know if we'll get that far, man. Like, I, I there's a lot of optimism about Reed and just his basketball IQ and just his approach to to practice and, and what he's hoping for and uh, just his immediate – impact that he's shown just in early work workouts and getting shots up in the gym and you know some early like very very early stuff uh, if if he can slide in immediately and be the cj frederick role from this past season just kind of impact all around you know get, you know fight on defense and make the right reads and no pun intended uh, and then let joey kind of slide in as the maybe couple minutes here and there uh, type guy like that's what you want like that's the type of uh, roster makeup that you're looking for assuming Reed is as good as advertised, and I, I have heard that he is. I do think Reed Shepard's going to play a larger role than what we all thought, given his basketball IQ. And if he if he comes in and he he's a shot maker and he knocks down open shots, I could see him filling that role. Maybe he slides in and plays some minutes at the point, given we don't we have no idea what that position is going to look like. We we expect DJ Wagner to run a, some there. Uh, does is Rob Dillingham? get some some looks there as well is if is Antonio Reeves on this roster we we know that he has the capability of doing that but we know from watching Reed in high school Jack that that's a position that he can fill and, and play well and take care of the ball and, and value possessions and play with that high IQ uh, so I think that, that that's what this roster it, does it have some concerns yeah it does like I'm, I'm concerned in, in some areas but I'm also intrigued because uh, I, I do think that there's those guys that maybe we sleep on a little bit that could break through and have larger roles than maybe what we anticipated initially. But when you have that many new faces, a couple of those guys are going to be booms and a couple of them probably going to be bust at times. Like that's just the way that it goes or not really bust, but maybe what they're supposed to be as a freshman. But then again, this isn't the, this isn't the first time that we've seen John Calipari had three stars late. The Duthie era was a three star late a year ago. And he's still in your program as a possible long-term addition and piece. If you get that same turnover from this group, then you're starting to add something to what you're bringing in via the high school route every single year. And then if you need to go to the portal and hit it, I think the biggest surprise though, is that it took two months or longer for Kentucky to add to its roster. And I think that that's probably what 
you're looking at that we didn't see coming. Like, I mean, uh, this program had pretty much gone silent since the loss to Kansas State up until the other day when they added a commitment from Jordan Burks. I think that that's probably the most surprising thing. And I, I see a lot of people talking about whether people panicked too soon or people didn't panic at all. Like, I don't know why we're getting into that. I, th- I think everyone listening to the show had a, has had a right and has a right to still panic because you can't tell me that adding three-star players this late was the initial plan. But it's what Kentucky had to do, and I still think that it can be effective if it all works out. In between Uganon Yenso, Adu Thero, Jordan Burks, Joey Hart, Reed Shepard, if you can get one of those guys to explode, like you kind of hope most of them contribute in some form or fashion, even if it's just as a high level practice body, but hopefully as tangible production in games. But if you can get one of those high potential guys to explode, preferably a Duthiero or, you know, even a Jordan Burks, like Jordan Burks, if he could explode and be kind of that, you know, rangy stretch for, he only shot 26.7% from three, 47% overall. Uh, from from the field, but if if he could be kind of that versatile Jacob Toppin replacement kind of guy uh, to counter what you hope you get out of Aaron Bradshaw, like I think that would be a huge huge bonus. But I'm leaning on Adu Thero or Uganon Yenso to make a like catastrophic jump, like somebody that something where you're like, okay, this is where everything else is going to fall into place. Like you need one of those guys to explode, and everybody else to just kind of fill out as necessary. So that's, that's my hope. And I think that's definitely what uh, Kentucky is hoping. I do want to touch on actually going to real quick, quick, uh, real quick hit on an ad. Um, Source say podcast is brought to you by Andy Ludicky and my franchise.net. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Looking for a side hustle while working your current job, wanting to diversify, build wealth and, or leave a legacy. Andy can help. He is a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he is here to help you if you have any questions about business ownership. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Let's talk a little bit, Sean, about Samto Surreal uh, at Overtime Elite. Is Sean with us or did he disappear again? Uh, Sean's gone. Okay, well, uh, I will talk about Sompto. Uh, <laughs> so Sompto, I liked him. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, that's right. You were there. G- give us a, a a brief synopsis while we're waiting for Sean to come back of, of what you liked about Sompto. Uh, well, uh, you know, I liked his his ability to finish around the rim. I mean, it's, it was kind of hard to tell from that game. I had so much of my attention on what Rob Dillingham was doing, and of course, I was shooting it. So I'm seeing it through the, you know, the lens of just following Rob around. Uh, but he had, you know, I liked, uh, you know, how he got involved in the offense. Didn't see anything from the defensive end. So I'm going to have to resort to what you saw from that for uh, uh, for a better analysis. But from what I did see on the offensive end, I, I liked it. I, I, you know, you you pointed him out before we got there and said, keep your eye on this kid too, which I barely did. So uh, but you said, keep the guy. Keep, he's a 2024 kid. Uh, he's, you know, he's a 2024 kid. I think that Kentucky's probably going to target him also. Um, little did we know it would be this soon. So, so Santo listed at 6'10", 250-ish pounds, 240 pounds. I think he's probably closer to 6'8", 6'9", but physically dominant presence. 
um, just likes to dunk the absolute hell out of everything, block shots, just a really just force force of nature. Um, I do expect, and we have Sean back. I do expect Santo to be a Kentucky Wildcat. I, I I will very comfortably say that. I will say there is a brief, not, I wouldn't even say snag, but he walked for graduation at OTE in May, and it kind of led to this perception that he was a done deal. I thought personally, I you know, I didn't even think twice about it. I just knew he graduated, and Kentucky was recruiting him as a 2023, 20, so I didn't really check into it enough, I don't think, just me being, being totally honest. Um, I've heard from OTE that, he still had a, a, just a little bit more to go academically, but it is expected to be done by July. Um, I don't know the timeline of if he's going to commit and just say, see ya this fall, or if he's going to wait until July and get his academics in order so he can reclassify and join the 2023-2024 roster. But I do expect him to ultimately do enough to uh, get his academics in order and ultimately be a uh, Kentucky Wildcat. I know Indiana, Providence, a couple other schools have – uh, made a push for him, but I think he's always wanted to be a Kentucky. Kentucky has been his dream school from the beginning. Uh, I was doing interviews with him a year and a half ago uh, about, uh, you know, Oscar Sheway and the impact that he's making. Kentucky's recruiting him saying, you know, you can follow in uh, Oscar's footsteps and be similar to that. And it was a, a pitch that he definitely loved to hear. And uh, I think all it took was for Kentucky to make a very serious push and make it clear that they wanted him. Uh, whenever he was going to be able to make it on campus. They liked him for 2024, but I think when the roster unfolded the way it did, losing Lance Ware, I think it definitely opened up the door for Sompto to be a Lance Ware replacement. I think that's that's all I would expect him to be year one, Sean, a, a, an enforcer type of guy who's going to come in, and if you need a couple quick fouls, a hard block, a hard dunk, you know, a, a very minimal – um, let's see how you go and, and immediate force of nature type stuff. I think that's what his expectations are going to be. I wouldn't put a whole lot more uh, on Sampo, at least immediately. No, that, that's another one of those pieces that, that I talk about that long-term piece that if, if it works out and is in your program for multiple seasons, and I really like the way that the roster is being pieced out. Like you can – we, we've talked a ton about this, about going to the transfer portal and things, and, and most of the time you, you get that for one season or it's just something to fill a role. But I kind of like that if, if this is a transition to, to something different that John Calipari is doing right now and that the staff is doing, and, and we have no idea. Like, we can't criticize it. We can't praise it. We, we really don't know until a year or so from now to see, to reflect and look back on it and, and see what happens. But if you get multiple guys each class – you get your top end guys, but then you get those potential players, those guys that just haven't tapped into it yet. But if they stay committed to your program, but that's the hardest thing about college basketball today, Jack, is keeping everybody happy, keeping everyone kind of fed when it comes to roles and, and what they're, they're being given. We know that there's a lot of prying and plucking and things that go on and tampering and everything else about trying to get to, get to this program. And it goes on all across college basketball. But if this is a, an approach that works out and we're sitting here a year from now and he's one of those pieces that we're talking about coming back and anchoring a roster a year from now, I like what Kentucky did or I like what Kentucky could possibly do with this. And we're talking about a guy that is just a massive human being. Like, <laughs> like he is huge. Like the picture of him with Cal a few days ago, like, it, it was like it was like that that baby hand shaping yeah. the big adult hand. It's like this with like like little t like this. 
<laughs> it's like he's this monster. I was like, this had to be an angled photo, but then I look at it and I was like, no, there's an entire table between them, and he's his arm still bent. Like, I mean, come on now, like it, it's crazy how big he is. But no, I given what Kentucky has on its roster at that position and how late we are into this with transfer portal and grad transfers and everything, like this that feels like the right move to add a piece like that that could could play some spot minutes for you if needed, if it all works out, and then develop in your program and hopefully be an anchoring piece to your front court a year from now. Yeah, that, that's the goal. I, I expect his academics to be done in order. I, I do expect him to reclassify to 2023. Uh, he isn't able to just enroll right away, as I initially thought, but uh, the expectation is by July he will be able to. So I believe that will force him to miss the trip to Toronto while he's finishing up his academics, which would suck. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, kind of like Ugana. Uh, Ugana showed up, showed up at the end of August last year. I mean, uh, it, 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 he, he it, again, think of him as a Lance Ware replacement, and you're going to be happy. Like, he's going to be the enforcer. Yep. He's going to be the physical presence. Think, think of him battling against Ugo in practice, battling against Aaron Bradshaw in practice. That's what those two need, what they need. They're thin. They're, you, you know, the – that physical presence is not was not on this roster, and that was a big concern of mine. So Cal goes out and goes to get the most physical presence that you could possibly get in Sanfil Surreal. Like I, I think that in itself is what makes this such a valuable get, kind of a, a high floor, low ceiling type of type of player. But again, there there's a reason why Lance Ware was so beloved as a Wildcat. I think Sanfil is going to be very similar when he inevitably makes it to campus. And, and if Sompto is going to fill that Lance Ware role immediately, then I'm actually okay if he's not playing in Toronto. Because I think that giving those minutes to Ugo and to Bradshaw is very important and vital to what Kentucky's going to do this season because we know that Kentucky's going to have to lean on those two guys. Like, those are the two guys now we look at and see, okay – it's either those two are good enough or they're not, and it's going to be sink or swim with whether Kentucky makes a run the postseason or not. And it all depends on how they develop in the front court. I think the back court is going to be fine because I think there's enough options and pieces there. The front court's where it's kind of you or you, and we need one of you to kind of be it, but we need both of you if we really want to get to where we want to go. So I think getting those minutes and having them available for those guys, plus I don't know, and I know people are probably going to hammer me in the comments right now and say, well, we know Cal's not going to do that. But if you give me those two in Toronto, I think Kentucky's going to have really no choice but to look at some smaller lineups and maybe get creative and, and see. And if those lineups look really good, Jack, maybe we see a little bit of a change. And I know I'm getting hammered right now in the comments, and I can't see them. But uh, tell me if I am, because uh, I know people's like, we know Cal's not going to play you know, small ball. But you get what I'm saying? Like, it kind of forces you to – plus – Maybe a reason why we didn't see them targeting a, a, a ton of fours and maybe going to, to certain positions in the portal was I think all along a Thiero was going to make a transition to maybe a forward role, especially given his frame and some size, and maybe that's something that we see in Toronto. I don't think you're going to see a Thiero go in games this year and be the primary ball handler like he had to be at times a year ago. Like I think he's going to be more suited for for a role with, with his frame and things too. So, uh, no, like I, I, I like – where I like where Kentucky's headed with this. Uh, is it frustrating that it took two months and that they didn't add anything from the portal? Yeah, it is because I think there were talented pieces going in, but I, I still 
like that where Kentucky could possibly be a week or so from now, given its overall roster, because it, it didn't look too good a week and a half, two weeks ago. Joshua Rose, Cal playing small ball. Ha 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 ha. Curious calculator. Speculate all you want, but no one here knows how the team dynam- dynamics will play out, which is totally true. I mean, we have as many, it's going to be the youngest roster in college basketball. Like, Yes, and with, with they, there are a lot of dogs on this roster, but there are a lot of like differing personalities. Of like, DJ Wagner is like the ultimate alpha. Rob Dillingham's like the I want to go to my room and play video games and not socialize. Like I'm just here to chill and vibe, bro. Like those two guys are going to be sharing the ball quite often, and they couldn't be more different personality wise. Like. They're both kind of low maintenance, but that doesn't mean that they like person like there are a lot of different personalities, and it's going to take a really, really impressive effort from John Calipari to get all of them together and mesh absolutely seamlessly while adjusting to the size and length and speed of SEC basketball and just college basketball in general. Like Cal has his work cut out for him, but like this is kind of what he does with these the style, like this style of roster. This, this like that's what he's done. So we'll see. Cal is going all in with this and saying, you know what? Let's roll the balls out. Let's see. Let's see what happens. So we'll we will see. Um, I've been prolonging this long enough. We have to move on to the elephant in the room, and that is uh, Antonio Reeves and what the absolute hell he's going to do. Um, At least it's not man. What what a mess that that has been, man. I mean, it's it, it has been that this one has been one of the most complicated, difficult, like back and forth things changing every five minutes. Like you get you get one day where it's like, oh, he's ready. Like he's he's told the staff that he's ready to come back, and then the next day, like Kentucky can't get in contact with him, and like can't get in touch with dad. Can't like. There's just been so much like, okay, and he's now clearly taking classes at Illinois State. He's gone. He's going to go to Michigan. He's going to go to Illinois. And then the next day it's like, oh, well, that database is outdated and he's not technically at Illinois State right now. Like there's just so much pendulum swinging with Antonio Reeves. This one has been really exhausting and one that I'm just very excited to end one way or the other. Um, I was told – Sunday and Monday that that so it had gone from Kentucky knowing that he had withdrawn from classes at Kentucky and did not expect him to return thought he was going to hit the transfer portal like penciling him off of the roster to them going back and telling me like no he's coming back we're we we're very, very confident that he's coming back to, we don't know, no idea. We're just seeing how things go at this point. Um, as of today, Kentucky still expects Antonio Reeves to come back. Like that's the, that was the big whispers and movement and buzz uh, le- in leaving out of this past weekend and starting this week. Um, but I think a lot of that was like based on what they're, the latest they've heard from them and the last conversation they had uh, was, you know, I, we talked extensively the night of the withdrawal deadline that he had NIL concerns that he had role concerns uh, playing behind freshmen. He didn't want to get the Kellen Grady, shove him in the corner and launch threes all day. Like that's not the role that he wanted. Um, 
they did like Cal has talked to him, has talked to dad, like they, they smooth things over a little bit, but definitely not like this come to Jesus moment with all parties involved or it's like, all right, let's get this thing done. Things are trending in the right direction and Kentucky does feel good about it, but it's like nothing finalized. They haven't gotten this like, check him off. He's officially signed onto the roster. It's just, it's just really complicated and really frustrating to just hear new updates every other day of, just kidding. This has changed now. It's like I, I'm ready for this saga to be over and to figure out one way or the other if he's going to be on the roster or if he's going to be playing overseas or figure out a way to graduate and transfer. I've heard that's not likely. Um, I think that there are some academic hurdles that he probably won't be able to be a grad transfer. And I think that's kind of Kentucky's thing. It's like, dude, just come back. Like it, it you, you're almost looking for a reason to go at this point if you are going to leave. So it's just been really, really frustrating. But I think that we should get some type of clarity one way or the other. Sure. Yeah, this this one is quickly turned into, I think, probably one of the more frustrating situations in, in John Calipari's time at Kentucky when it comes to a stay-or-go decision or, or whatever because I never really felt like – that we were at a point here where we should be at this point in this situation. I mean, we're in mid-June, and we're still wondering whether or not Antonio Reeves is going to be on this roster or not. And that's that's just so crazy to me because, like, there I can clear as day see a significant role for him on this roster. And I I don't like it. We're talking about a guy that would be the one senior leader that they have who scored 37 points on the road at Arkansas a year ago. Like, I don't really see very many concerns about what his role would be. Like, I think that he would be a guy that would have the ball in his hands and opportunity to make shots and have probably one of the longer leashes on the team. Like, that just – but you, you don't want it to be one of those things, though, where – I mean, this is this is where there's the fine line of relationship and you don't want to burn bridges, right, on either side. Both sides, yep. Because you don't want to be Antonio Reeves in his camp and tick Kentucky off to the point that it'll be like, well, you clearly are looking for a way out of here, but now you feel like this is your only option. And we're not just going to give you that option. Because then you're kind of being held hostage by a player. And that's something that this program and John Calipari never wanted to do, was just let one player just kind of hold you in the palm of their hand. And that's what kind of feels like is happening at this point. And I, I do want to address there is that podcast that came out and said that Cal is holding Antonio Reeves hostage. That is the biggest load of BS on the planet. Like just making that very clear. Kentucky, if if Antonio said, "Hey guys, I really do feel like my time here is over," like Kentucky would find figure out a way to get him to a new spot. They would get him a, an overseas deal. Like say, "Hey." We've worked a lot with guys that have gone here. A bunch of our former players have signed with this professional route. Like, we're happy to help you go at this overseas route. This idea that Cal is like, ha, 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 you can't graduate and can't can't hit the portal. It's us or nowhere. Kick rocks, kid. Like, that, that is absolutely not how Cal operates. Well, and it's nonsense to think that he's that, – that Cal is holding – if anything – it's like Cal has been waiting so patiently with Reeves' decision. I mean, it is June 14th for your sixth man of the year to make his decision one one way or the other. Like, if anything, Cal has been, like, above and beyond patient with how this has all unfolded. So this mindset of Cal holding this kid hostage as he's making this big decision, like, I, I think there's something to be said about the two sides playing chicken with one another and 
Kentucky not wanting to budge with like, okay, if you come back, we're going to promise you 35 minutes a game and 15 shots a game or whatever. Like that's not how Cal operates, but you know, on, on the flip side, like I, I don't think Antonio's side wants to budge. Like they just want to feel the love that Cal is going to put them in position to succeed and not just let it be a freshman run team. And he's not going to be in position to succeed. I get both sides of it. And I think they're both kind of playing chicken with each other. And I think at the end of the day, it will result in Antonio ultimately coming back. But uh, any held hostage on Kentucky side stuff is absolute garbage. Oh, and, and like you said, if anything, and John Calipari, I know at this point in his career, and given where Kentucky's been and not advancing in the tournament, making deep runs, has, has received more criticism in the last few years than he had at any point. But he, to me, has and Kentucky has shown more loyalty to Antonio Reeves through the last two and a half months than they have anyone like they, and we're talking about a program that didn't really even dabble at all with perimeter players in the transfer portal, Mm -hmm. like shown loyalty. And I think Kentucky's probably looking at, okay, we showed it to you now show it to us and, and come back and be the leader for this team. And I think that that's just the error that we live in now with the NIL and stuff. If NIL wasn't a thing, I think Antonio Reese probably would announce his return to Kentucky sometime in April. Mm-hmm. Like in yeah. any, like a few years ago, like that type of player, because there is a clear cut role for him on this team. And like, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a role off the bench. I think he will start if he's on this roster in Toronto. Like, I think he'll be the, the off ball guy alongside DJ and, and Justin. I really do. I think there's a clear cut role for him on this team to come in and lead. And here's the thing that's too, that's appealing for him. Come back and be the only senior on this team and lead them. And what does that do for you? As a player, you come and lead this this group of guys and take them where you want to go. But it, it is frustrating because we did the show, what, two weeks ago at the deadline and things didn't look good and then it's not looked good. And then you get, like you said, you come in and I know you're the one that's kind of like probably who has a headache from all this because you hear something different <sighs> changing every 48 hours. And I don't know, he – he is an important piece. He is a very important piece. If he is not on this roster, then the addition of Jordan Burks becomes even more significant to what Kentucky added a few days ago. I, I think Kentucky has to just do whatever it takes to get Reeves yeah. back. Like I, I think when push comes to shove, Reeves not, needs to not be afraid of freshmen. Like, buddy, if you're trying to be a pro and you're working out for NBA teams, like what does it say that, you know, like your, your mindset should be, I went and got 37 as the lead guy in Fayetteville, like back against the wall, led my SEC program to victory. Like your mindset should be, I'm coming in here to bust some heads. Like it, I I would prefer that mindset over, well, I just want to make sure that I have my spot, but, I, but I, I also understand it. And again, we we've compared it to like the CJ Frederick scenario where, it's different because CJ has the injuries, but both have one year of eligibility remaining. And it's that deal of, I can't mess this up. If, if I do come back, like I, I, I can't kill my draft stock going into next year. I can't, you know, it's a weak class. Like it's a great opportunity for Antonio of all people to slide in there at the end of, you know, second round, maybe even in the first round, it's a really, really weak draft class. It's a chance for him to kind of slide in there and, and, be a draft pick. So I understand why he wants it to be absolutely perfect. And I do not blame him uh, or the people around him in, in the slightest, but I do think when push comes to shove, like 
you kind of got to have that alpha mentality of, you know what, even if there's some hesitancy here, I'm going to go get mine because we have seen Cal at the end of the day, if dudes have emerged, they, they play like they, they, they if, go take Rob's role, go, go take DJ's role. If, if that's, well, if, if that's going to be you go take it. If anything, it's already his role. Like he's the one guy that we actually know about that's walking on to campus. Like if he is on campus and he goes to Toronto, he is the one guy taking the floor that we know everything about. His role is already there, Jack. It's the other guys mm-hmm. that were becoming for his, in my opinion. And and I think that that's the mindset that he needs. Is like, okay, this is my role. This is my team. I'm going to lead it. I've got some talented dudes coming in. And I think that you're to a point that I think leaving Kentucky, and obviously nothing's concrete. We know that things are said and this and that and stuff when it comes to leading up to draft. But a year from now, if he's leaving another school and it he left Kentucky and maybe the the theory or the thought is out there that he left Kentucky because of what was coming in and worried about role, that doesn't look too good to the NBA teams, in my opinion, because Kentucky is a, a school that produces pros. And I think that staying put and leading a roster that we think has some pros on it would look a lot better a year from now with him entering that draft, a weaker draft, should we add, and a chance probably to get drafted. Make a deep run in the NCAA tournament and hit shots that matter. And don't go out the way that you did. We know that that wasn't his best effort against Kansas State. We know that that one did not sit well with him. Come back, lead this team, take them to the NCAA tournament, and make shots in March. And that does a lot for your draft stock. Kentucky playing deep into the NCAA tournament a year from now, we know what that does. If you're still playing in late March, all eyes are on you. And I think he, I, I think that he's the type of player that does have a chance to be a pro at some point. But I think another year at Kentucky. And he is gone. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I, I think Reeves – they're in the middle of it of a game of chicken and they're trying to cross T's and dot I's. There's been a lot of um, recent confidence on Kentucky's side and they do at the end of the day, they, they had thought like leaving this weekend, going into this week, there was a lot of talk about him uh, on that Tuesday. And I, and I, I it's kind of funny. They kind of got to a point where it was like, okay, if you do announce you're coming back, we'd like to f- kind of layer it with, you know, some of these other decisions and kind of stack them on, on top of one another, you know, get Jordan Burks, get Antonio Reeves is kind of like the, like, hell yeah, we got our, our, our anchoring piece. we got the vet, we got this, we got that. And then kind of add, you know, Joey Hart later in the week and, and Santo maybe beyond that, or if you're going to add his commitment now, get him to reclass later in July or August, like, they, they wanted to, to, for PR reasons, to kind of layer this properly to kind of be, shift the tone from what we saw May 31st when you had Livingston leave, Oscar Sheebway leave, everybody else, you know, eight different departures, and Antonio Reeves still trying to decide what he was going to do. They wanted to kind of go back to back to back to back to back and really hit home runs here to close out this. So, but at that point is when they kind of stopped hearing from Reeves and they kind of went quiet on Kentucky a little bit. So it was like, yeah, we were kind of hoping for Tuesday and that would have been the ideal announcement date, but then he kind of went dark. So they're just kind of, they hit pause. They're saying, all right, we're going to do our best. We're going to hope that they come to their senses and both sides, you know, we can, if they have any other questions that need to be answered or whatever, we can make them. I don't think that they're going to be any ridiculous 
guarantees or demands or whatever that, that, that are met. But I do think that it will has been and will be made clear that uh, Reeves will have a significant role and he'll have the minutes and he'll get his touches and he'll be able to, to be a high level guy. And I do think that Cal will put him in position to be uh, a draft guy. But I think a big part of it is he needs to put himself in a in position to be a draft guy uh, as uh, once again, Sean Smith, the orange shirt uh, phone Slayer is back with us. We, I've hit the transfer portal three times in this episode. But I, I come back here. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I like, I like Steven's giggle in the background. Yeah. I can't stop watching this Antonio Reeves uh, clip of just him making every single shot. And I'll get off of here, guys. Let you guys get. <laughs> oh, no, stay because we don't know when uh, I'll exit again. <laughs> uh it, it's it's fine but, but yeah I, I think things are in an okay spot with with Reeves nothing's finalized I think Kentucky's still confident they think that they think Kentucky thinks that the, the roster will wrap up with Jordan Burks Santos Aril, Joey Hart and Antonio Reeves all in Kentucky uniforms one of them's already signed Joey Hart is I, I think very close behind and and I, I think Santo will be at some point, but definitely whenever his, his academics are uh, in position, I do think that Reeves will join that at, at, at some point on Kentucky's confidence side of things. But it is what it is, man. We, we're... That'd, be an, that'd be an 11-man roster, too. What do you think of that? Do you think that this roster is a title-contending roster if that's the 11-man group? I want to see Toronto before we go, whether or not it can contend, because I, I want to see what guys look like. And I, I know going off of what a player looks like in July is very dangerous. But at the same time, I want to see what it looks like and how they mesh together and how they play and, and maybe what do guys look like when we actually turn on the tape and, and things. But I think it has potential to be a good team. But it's one of those teams where – you can't have a freshman class that guys don't perform up to their level of expectations of what we think. Like if that's the case, then Kentucky needs Justin Edwards to be probably a lottery pick a year from now, top five, top 10 pick. It needs DJ Wagner to, to live up to the hype and potential, but it also needs these guys like a and Ugana to, to really step forward and, and have greater roles than maybe what we expected initially. But Ugo's a guy that I think that needs to live up to some of that hype and potential. I know we get a lot of comments and everybody's saying, well, what has Ugo done for us to really have any kind of faith in him? It's not really anything that he's done. It's more so of – it's all about projections. And and we know – how many guys enter basketball, Jack, that we talk upside about? And they either live up to it or they don't live up to it. That's – and Ugo's one of those guys that we talked about when he was added to this roster a year ago. It's not about what he'll be as a freshman. It's about what he could be the years beyond that. Uh, I think it's a team that can be good, but also I'm not going to shy away from it. I think it's a team that could be bad too. Like I think I could see it going both ways. I really could see it going both ways. Yeah. And middle, it's, it's, and middle ground's not going to be good enough. Yeah. It's personality-wise too. Like it, this is either going to be – one for the ages that John Calipari is going to go middle fingers in the air at the end of the season and go, this is why you kiss the ring, shut up and let me do my job. 
or it's like this could go. It's I mean, it's going to be basically ten, 10 newcomers, essentially eight freshmen to return or seven for whatever the stupid math is. But it, it's going to be a lot of youth and it could backfire. We we I think I think you need Antonio Reeves back like I, I really, really do. But and I truly hope that when we're on here in December talking about this team or not, not really December, because we know there's going to be bumps in the road. January. I hope when SEC play begins, we're sitting here and we're saying, you know what? Cal got it right. Mm-hmm. And and the staff got it right. And, and, and if, if it's just continued tangible growth yeah. of the group where if things are a disaster in Toronto, I'm cool with it. If things are a disaster to start the year, I'm even still kind of cool with it. But as long as we see that cohesion like inch by inch by inch start to come together and then you have a team you're rocking with by March, like I, I, that would be a pretty cool, like that's what my expectations are that it looks rough to start with. They get things figured out. They kind of hit a rock bottom and kind of skyrocket. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Upward toward the end, maybe go into the tournament as a four seed, three seed type type deal and uh, kind of finding their groove by the end of the year and, and make a run. That That's what I'm personally hoping and what my maybe even slightly optimistic expectations are, that it's a rough start and they skyrocket there at the end. And, and I think a lot of that will, we, will have to do with Reeves. And, and we don't know what that schedule is going to look like, but we know it'll be loaded. There'll be – a lot of power five teams in the non-conference, the the Dukes, the Kansases, we, we know that they're going to be on the, those teams of that caliber are going to be on that roster or uh, on that schedule. But I want to see a pulse from Kentucky from the very beginning. It doesn't have to be a pulse that knows what it takes to win in November, but I want to see them going into those games where you think Kentucky has a chance. And if they, if it comes together and they execute, they can win games when it matters at that point. But, uh, we know that every Kentucky basketball season when you're this young is going to have bumps in the road. I do think that there's potential for this to really work out in the long haul. But I, I keep going back to that this is probably the most indifferent I've ever been entering a Kentucky basketball season because I can see it going all the way to the Final Four and, and something really good. But I could also see us sitting there in, in February, March, talking about Kentucky being on the bubble because you just do not know how this thing works out. Like you don't like it's it's going to go one way or the other. I don't see this being a middle ground where good, bad, and eh, maybe like this past season, we talked ourselves into maybe if you get the right draw, Kentucky can go on a run. I don't think that's the way with this team. I think it's either going to be great or it's going to be bad. I really do. One way or the or another, you're going to be you're going to be talking about your quad one wins and losses, or you, we're going to be going. Sh- sh- Sean, Seanatology uh, here here in a couple months, and that I, I am just absolutely ecstatic for. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, let's start wrapping this thing up. Uh, the big news of the week that was, 
I guess, non-player news, but I guess the, the biggest other tangible piece of news that we had about this program is the uh, start of John Calipari's uh, non-collective collective. Uh, he's naming it the La Familia Club. Uh, he's form- basically teaming together a lot of his trusted boosters, close friends, guys with money, resources, and and people that he trusts quite a bit. And I'm told up to 10 former players have come together uh, to basically fund this uh, this this new NIL initiative that's legal. It's not against any, you know, incidents. It's following all NCAA regulations, which was a big part of it for Kentucky, because I think there's still kind of this internal feel that, yes, all these teams are kind of going collective crazy and guaranteeing millions upon millions and basically giving blank checks to all these kids. Like there is a sense that Kentucky from Kentucky side that those schools will ultimately get in trouble and more than anything, they don't want to be the guinea pig in case like they start and the NCAA then decides to go, well, Kentucky's now doing it. So we need to go attack them. Like that's not something Kentucky wants to uh, risk. They have found a way to find a happy medium where they have gathered significant money. I'm told it was over double uh, what any other major collective in the, in men's basketball has made in any, anywhere in college basketball a lot of it being former player money, but guys that John Calipari trusts to basically be a, a, a the outside of traditional marketing revenue for these players where it's not commercials and like it, it's going to be more. Um, if you have access to this club, you're going to have access to these players year round. And that's something that really intrigues these boosters. Um and I, I think it's a brilliant idea. I was told that the first conversation started back in January of uh, okay, we need to figure out what the future of NIL looks like, how to do it legally while also getting these players the money that they deserve. How can we navigate these waters? And I was told within the last couple of weeks that things have really started ramping up and and Kentucky's NIL has never been in a better place is what, what I was told and, and talking to not just on Kentucky side, but people uh, outside that are familiar with it and, and on the outside looking in. There's a lot of optimism about where things stand with Kentucky's NIL right now because of the La Familia Club. So uh, I personally feel very, very good about it. What are your thoughts um, specifically about the former players being a part of this? Because I think it's such an untapped, absolute massive bit of money that has not been utilized in the past that I think this is a, a really good opportunity uh, for, for John Calipari to hit that Rolodex a little bit. It's It's one of the few schools in the country that can do it because those guys have that opportunity and those blessings on their life because of coming to Kentucky and showcasing their, their talents there in front of Kentucky's in front of BBN and in fans and, and things. And this is an opportunity for them to still be connected to the program, be connected to, to the team. And you include your guys that have played at Kentucky. I love the name of it. I think that that's creative too. That's, that's so John Calipari and, and, for all the things where we talk about, well, is Cal making the right decision? Is Cal not making the right decision? That this feels like one that was really well thought out, and you got to give him a ton of credit for it. Like I think it's a great idea. Including the former players makes it even sweeter to me, because it still keeps them involved in the program long after they're gone. And it's an it's a bridge to what is here now with guys that are hoping to get to the exact same spot that they are at. Jamal Murray just won an NBA championship. That's two John Calipari, Kentucky dudes that have won NBA titles. Like you're finally starting to see that talent, you know, showcase itself on the broadest of stages in the NBA. 
and I think it's cool to see those guys giving back and, and doing things for these guys that are in uh, at Kentucky now and, and being connected and having that bridge back to the program. I think that that's really cool to see. Yes, I, I don't think this was something that Kentucky was necessarily prepared for a big rollout. I think they were wanting a big, like a hoorah moment, like an aha moment that that, that fan, you know fans would kind of like soak in together at the same time. And but I think as things kind of started whispering from different areas and different words started leaking out, like I think they just kind of said, okay, well, here's the just the general gist of it. And I think they're working on the final details to prepare for an actual rollout of it. But things are going really, really well. I love the idea of including former players and, and building that loyalty. Cal is the most loyal dude on the planet. And to have that kind of return back to him with the help of 10 former players, I mean NBA count like high level talent coming back to Kentucky, 10, 10 different dudes that have basically put their money where their mouth is and said, I appreciate what you did to me to help me get to this point. Let's, let's keep this tradition going and, and get Kentucky basketball where it needs to be. And, and like that, that is, that is absolutely massive. And, and that kind of shuts up the narrative that a lot of people outside the program say, well, these guys don't care about Kentucky after they leave Kentucky. Well, they're, they're giving money their own money back to a place where they played that benefits future players and, and, and helps them and it helps the program. And I think that this is the perfect, you scratch my back, I'm going to scratch your back. And this is, I, I think it's brilliant. I, I think it's a great thing. And then, like I said, Kentucky is one of the few programs in the country that can pull something like this off. Yeah. Really, really looking forward to seeing how that uh, wraps up um, as I'm doing this and they'll know who I, I'm referring to, but I got an interesting DM about uh, positive Antonio Reeves news coming, coming at some point. So uh, more positive vibes. I, I Kentucky feels really good about where things are. They just been waiting on kind of a final, all right, let's get this thing done. Let's get the press release written. Let's get all of the, you know, let's get the hype train coming for a player who is deserving of it. Cause Antonio Reese is a heck of a player and uh, you got out, you just got to get that figured out and make that happen. So I'm hoping they, they get that worked out and hopefully the uh, idea of the La Familia club helps with that. I, I, I don't think that they're too, they're directly correlated, but I do think that there's something to be said about, um, about Kentucky having the financial resources to get a guy like Antonio Reeves, what he's looking for with NIL. So uh, definitely, definitely positive news. Um, I believe that wraps up everything we plan to plan on talking about. Is there anything else that you wanted to uh, get off your chest? Have you officially make, made your coaching debut yet? Have, have the game started yet? Yeah, we're, we're three weeks in. We're at Titans Rockets this week at this weekend in, in Shelbyville and good opportunity hey, for us. Yeah, good opportunity. Uh, an event that I've covered as media the last couple of years with you, and then I'll be—I won't be doing it as media this year. I'll be actually be sitting on the bench, uh, working with our team and our program. A uh, great opportunity for our kids and, and other kids around the state to to showcase their game in front of a list that's twenty schools or, or deeper when it comes to like West Virginia and all these bigger programs that are going to be there. Missouri's going to be there. Notre Dame, uh, a lot of big time programs and stuff to, to watch some of the best in the state should be a good tournament. I I'm going to be there and I'm going to absolutely grill you after the, <laughs> your, your first game. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to have a list of 45 questions ready to go for you. It's like, as the game's going on, I'm going to pay attention to every little detail and go, 
I, I need I need to know your vision here. What what was your purpose here? What 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 would make you think that this was an acceptable coaching decision? I don't care if you guys are winning by eight hundred points. I, I'm going to nitpick every little thing, <laughs> and I'm so looking forward to it. It's going to be hilarious. You've you've waited a long time for this opportunity. I have, you know, I, I deserve it. I, I deserve this this moment, and especially it's right down the street, so I can just basically walk there and go just at, at my own leisure. It's going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to. It. But really, that that is cool. I'm excited for you. I know it's going to be a cool opportunity. It is a cool opportunity for you. But um, you guys got a hell of a team again this year, and making another run at state is going to be a blast to follow along. Excited to kind of see how you juggle this is like your own team is making a run to rup while you're doing media stuff with this. It's going to be fascinating to watch you uh, unfold, uh, unfold with that. It's going to be uh, unbelievably fascinating, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it as well and uh, continuing to be a part of the show. And I know that you and I were on the phone earlier talking about some plans that we're, we're not going to throw out there right now, but some stuff coming this summer and some episodes that we're excited about and, Sounds like we're going to have quite a bit coming pretty soon. May or may not be on a pretty important radio show in the next couple of weeks. We were really good at the, we were we were really good in that role a couple of years ago. That so. we have done before, and the feedback is really good back then. And we have very graciously been invited back, and it's going to be a really cool opportunity that we're very much looking forward to. May or may not be. Live from Peach Jam, um, it's gonna be a really cool thing. We're really, we're really looking forward to that. Appreciate all of our listeners as always. Uh, appreciate Stephen, but b- the, the the face and voice behind all of this, getting all the the beautiful uh, layouts and setups and videos rolling and all that stuff. He does great work. And I was yeah, ad- adding that. me back every single time that I exit because my phone decides to overheat. Has that been it the whole time? It's just been overheating. It, every yes, time? but it's not the sun. It's I don't know if it's like where I'm having to run off my browser or what on here, but it's like just my phone's getting super hot. So I literally turned the AC on. I have the AC blowing on the back of my phone. Just so <laughs> I don't even know if that's even effective or, or working or what, but it's uh, the show always right goes on. And I, I knew it. I knew that I should have got my mic. I knew that I should have had, I didn't have my laptop charger. I left it at home, but I came down to visit family for a day and do a couple of things. And I told myself, I said, today's the day that Jack's going to get back. And I know that we're going to be recording, but I said it as I was driving down 75 and then you, you come out of nowhere today, broke the silence. I also text you at noon and say, hello, I'm back. Let's do a show. So I really <laughs> didn't do a great job of uh, letting, letting you know in advance of what, what my plans were, but I was on vacation time, man. I, I had, I was, was only focused on the beach, only focused on the ocean. No, no cares in the world outside of refreshing the message board and Twitter every once in a while. And oh, just very, it feels good to get back into the grind thing. So it, we'll, it uh, let, let's, let's get out of here. Um, I, I know we were going to talk a little bit about 2024. I, before my trip to the beach, I went to uh Pangos all American camp, talked to some 2024 kids, got big updates on a couple guys that want to hear from Kentucky that haven't heard from Kentucky in a minute that I'm a little bit concerned about, uh, but we can save that for another show. I know we've been going long, but um, we were, went two weeks without a show. So I feel like we got to make up for it with some, some rapid fire episodes here. Maybe we'll, we'll do one in the next couple of days and 
we'll obviously do them as news rolls out. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely have time. So with that, let's get the heck out of here. Uh, Sean Smith, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter as well, at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.